This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello, welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Nabil Biagio and here's what's coming up. Looking at schools and other places like shopping centers in downtown so that people are on some kind of alert. That's Simon Cassiati, the Kampala Capital City Authority spokesperson, talking about efforts to warn residents of the risk of Ebola. All this and more coming up on African News Tonight. The Democratic Republic of Congo's health ministry today declared the end of its latest Ebola virus outbreak in the eastern province of North Kivu. The outbreak was confirmed on August 22nd when a single case was identified. No further cases were found. However, in neighboring Uganda, cases have been increasing. At least 18 cases have been confirmed in the past few days and there are 18 suspected cases in Mubene district. There have been at least five confirmed deaths. As Catherine Nambi reports from Kampala, about 150 kilometers away, many people are not worried about the outbreak. Cases continue to rise in Mubende district, but it's a different story in Kampala, which is about 140 kilometers away. In the nation's capital, many people are not worried. At some of the taxi and bus parks in the Kampala central business district, there is no screening of those who enter and leave. It's the same for congested markets and shopping malls. Amon Kija is one of the taxi touts in Kampala. It's not everybody that who is coming from across is being screened. That one, I agree with it. Because the entry point, eh? those how they enter, they have also other ways of coming here. So we may associate with someone from across that is affected. Chris Mogabi is a trader in downtown Kampala, but hails from Mobinde district. He says people are not bothered by news of an outbreak. We do associate with the people from across. The main issue with them, they are not taking Ebola as a serious disease. They say that maybe they are charmed. Simon Cassiate is the spokesperson of Kampala Capital City Authority. He says teams have been dispatched within Kampala and surrounding areas to sensitize the public on the prevention and proper handling of potential Ebola cases. But we have also sent out communication to our respective surveillance teams on the ground in communities, but also in high population density spaces, markets, taxi parks, bus and taxi terminals, that is, looking at schools and other places like shopping centers in downtown so that people are on some kind of alert should those coming in, especially from the Mubende route, coming into Kampala. In Mubende district, where the first cases were identified, authorities are finding it hard to isolate those who may have been exposed to the disease. Rosemary Biabasheja is the Mubende resident district commissioner. She says most communities react with hostility and suspicion to suggestions that Ebola may be spreading. They don't believe. Others think the government is just trying to, to make it a, a, a business and get money. Others, they, they think it is witchcraft. But we have made efforts to sensitize and mobilize the communities, telling them of the precautions, telling them that it's better to go to hospital. Over the weekend, seven suspected cases fled from their hospitals and one of the returned escapees tested positive. Security has been tightened at the isolation centers
to assure that there are no means to escape. Emmanuel Ainebiona is the spokesperson of Uganda's health ministry. Ainebiona says the ministry and World Health Organization are working to acquire vaccines for the Ebola Sudan strain circulating in the country. We expect to have vaccines later, uh, and this is after uh, the meeting we shall have with the WHO and other partners. Uh, but now we are focusing on prevention, uh, sensitizing the public to know how to avoid the spread of the infection and also ensure that uh, those ones who report at hospital and are confirmed are given all the necessary supportive treatment. The Ebola outbreak in Uganda was announced last week after one person died from the disease. Uganda has had about six Ebola outbreaks since 2000. The virus is transmitted through blood and other body fluids. The WHO says Ebola has an average fatality rate of 50%. The symptoms include fever, body aches, diarrhea, and sometimes bleeding inside and outside the body. This is Catherine Nambi for VOA News in Kampala. Accurate population data on everything from where people live to the health issues they face is key to government planning and funding. This week, experts from around Africa meet in Nairobi to look at how to gather balanced gender-specific data. From the Kenyan capital, Ruben Chama reports for VOA. Otwari Mark Odufa is the Director of Population and Social Statistics at South Sudan's National Bureau of Statistics. First of all, gender is a term that we use for both sexes so that we don't appear to be biased. There has been an imbalance when it comes to equality between the two genders. So the purpose of this meeting is actually to try as much as possible to narrow the gap, to bring the two genders at par in terms of equality. He spoke at the Joint Africa Gender Statistics Conference and went on to say gender statistics are not just important for their own sake, but to improve the lives and well-being of women and girls. We cannot reach that level not until we have proper statistics. Statistics is very important, and not just statistics, but even quality, timeliness. Governments and multilateral organizations often base their action plans and funding on data, how many people need services in an area. But studies have shown some segments of populations often are undercounted. For women and girls, this can mean less funding to meet their health and education needs. Held under the theme Gender Statistics Imperatives for Africa, the regional conference aims at integrating gender statistics into the African Union's Agenda 2063 program. That program is a strategic blueprint for the continent's social economic transformation. The delegates, policy analysts, and gender statistics experts are deliberating on the latest innovations and best practices in gender statistics to inform action plans on the continent. Emma Piri is a gender analyst 
from Zambia Statistics Agency. As much as, yes, we are striving to produce gender statistics, we still have some gender data gaps that is existing. And worse still with the coming of COVID-19, which really affected our operation of the office. Because people were not allowed to go out there even to collect data because of so many guidelines we were to observe. Piri says the pandemic hindered the country's national statistical office in designing the systems needed to generate gender data for evidence-based policy making and advocacy. It meant that without gender data, it means even us we cannot plan. Policymakers also cannot produce policies. Decision makers cannot make informed decisions from empirical evidence. As you know, when there's a problem, for you to be able to manage a problem, you've got to measure it. So without gender statistics, it means you're not managing your problem. UN Women, the African Development Bank, AFDB, and the Common Market for Eastern and Southern Africa, COMESA, are among the partners organizing the conference this week. Ruben Chama, VOA News, Nairobi. A Kenyan lawyer who was charged at the International Criminal Court with bribing and threatening witnesses who were to testify in a case against now President William Ruto has been found dead at home. VOA correspondent Maria Magiallo reports from Nairobi. Kenyan police and family members of Paul Gicheru confirmed his death Monday night to local media. Gicheru was facing charges at the International Criminal Court for bribing and threatening witnesses in a case against Kenya's newly elected president, William Ruto, and broadcaster, Joshua Sang. Ruto and Sang were among several Kenyans, including former President Uhuru Kenyatta, who were charged with prompting violence in the 2007 disputed election. Street clashes over the election left more than 1,000 people dead and hundreds of thousands displaced. The ICC declared a mistrial in 2016, cited witness tampering, and a trial against Gicheru and Sang began in February with Gicheru pleading not guilty. It was not immediately clear what caused the 50-year-old lawyer's death and a police spokesperson was not answering calls. The Kenya Human Rights Commission tweeted they were concerned with the shocking news of the untimely death of Gicheru as he was facing trial over the alleged witness tampering at the ICC. Mariama Jalu, VOA News, Nairobi, Kenya. You can find updates on this story and others on voaafrica.com. You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see voaafrica.com. There you will find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out voanews.com. Sudan continues to register new cases of monkeypox in different parts of the country. WHO declared the current monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency of international concern in July. Leila Hamadanil is Director of Infectious Disease at Sudan's Federal Minister of Health. She tells me the latest cases of monkeypox were detected in West Darfur State and that her office is working with humanitarian partners to respond to the viral infection. Sudan until now registered 15 cases. 15 confirmed cases. Eight of them are in West Darfur, three in the Barak State, 
one in Kesera, one in Central Darfur, one in North Darfur. Um, uh, this is the most. Uh, this is all the cases which, uh, and also we have uh, two cases in Khartoum. Yes. Of course, the World the Health Organization the declared uh, monkeypox um, a global emergency in May. Uh, where did Sudan uh, get uh, these cases from? Is, is it people coming from neighboring countries, or what have you been able to what establish? Have you able, able, uh, until now, um, all the cases, all the cities, from the 16 cases, 13 cases are from the local uh, people or from the Sudan. That was Leila Hamadanil, Director of Infectious Disease at Sudan's Ministry of Health. She spoke with me a short time ago. Some economists warn South Africa faces tough economic times after the central bank raised its top interest rate as the country's electricity wars continue. Yesterday, the rand currency is slumped to 18 to the U.S. dollar, and the fall is blamed on three weeks of long electricity blackouts that have cost the economy billions of dollars in lost production. Several international ratings agencies could also soon downgrade South Africa's economy to junkie status, seriously affecting its ability to attract new investment or borrow on international markets. Darren Taylor reports. The warning from some of South Africa's top economic minds comes on the back of criticism of the ruling African National Congress, the ANC, from former President Thabo Mbeki, himself an economist. Mbeki told students in Pretoria the ANC's economic policies had failed, mostly because of poor leadership and its lack of vision to create favorable conditions for investment. When the business people say we are ready to invest in infrastructure, they are talking of monies that are worth more than 10 trillion rand. These are huge sums of money that are available. We don't need to go to the World Bank or out of the country or anywhere. It's possible to focus on the matter of the recovery of the economy. It comes back to the question of leadership. Mbeki says poor leadership and bad management have led to massive problems at the country's power generator, ESCOM. The country's seen power outages as long as 12 hours a day in many areas for weeks. The electricity crisis has been so bad that President Cyril Ramaphosa skipped an appearance at the United Nations General Assembly last week to rush home to convene emergency meetings. The ANC acknowledges corrupt elements in its ranks have damaged the country. It, however, blames much of South Africa's current woes on fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic, the war in Ukraine and global inflation levels. To fight inflation, last week the South African Reserve Bank raised its top lending rate by three-quarters of a percentage point to 6.25%. Higher rates make it harder for businesses and consumers to borrow. Most key African economies, including South Africa, Nigeria, Egypt and Kenya, have implemented aggressive interest rate hikes this year to stem rising inflation. But economist Davi Ruet says almost all South Africa's problems, including the highest unemployment rate in the world, have been inflicted by the ruling party. 
we have a government that is really not good at running businesses. And in fact, most businesses that are on control of government, the state-owned enterprises, they have been run into the ground financially and operationally. It's not only those state-owned enterprises, which are very important to the economy, it's also the local authorities. The local authorities, 70% of the local authorities are financially not viable anymore. It's not me saying that, it's the Auditor General. The state debt levels, including the state-owned enterprises, is in excess of 80% already. It's unsustainable. Ruert predicts things are going to go from bad to worse for South Africa in the near future, in part because of looming elections. He fears the ANC will focus more on winning votes than on governing. Some economists say most of the services the government controls should be privatized, and companies that invest a lot should be given incentives, such as tax breaks. But labor unions, which generally back the ANC come election time, argue that will result in massive job losses and high prices for basic services, adding to the suffering of the poor. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Separatists in Cameroon have abducted five hospital staffers in the western town of Kimbo. The rebels say they were retaliating after Cameroon's military entered the hospital and arrested or killed some of their fighters. Hospital workers tell VOA both military troops and rebels abused them. Moki Edwin Kinzaka reports from Yaoundé, Cameroon. Cameroon's Bui Unity Warriors separatists say they abducted five health workers from Banso Baptist Hospital, BBH, Sunday. Bui is an administrative unit in Cameroon's English-speaking northwest region. In videos circulating on social media, including WhatsApp and Facebook, the separatists say hospital workers were abducted in retaliation after the military entered the hospital killing one fighter and arresting three other fighters. The fighters were hospital patients who had been wounded in battles with the military last week. The, the 26, September 2022. 20, in another video circulating online, fighters claiming to be members of the Bui Unity Warriors present a man they say collaborated with government troops who attacked fighters inside BBH. The Roman Catholic Church in Cameroon identifies the man as Shintum Sergius, a priest at the parish in Vekovi, an English-speaking village in Bui, who had also been abducted. The Roman Catholic Church in Cameroon, the Cameroon Baptist Convention that owns BBH, and the Presbyterian Church all confirmed that troops attacked BBH, killed a fighter, and arrested three other fighters. The churches say in retaliation, armed separatists abducted five medical staff members from the hospital and the priest who is accused of collaborating with the military. Joseph Safe is a patient who says other patients are scared that the hospital may stop rendering services to the sick. He spoke via the messaging app WhatsApp from the town of Kumbu, where BBH is located. When we become of the patients who depend on this loan institution for survival, to the best of my knowledge, a hospital treats patients without inquiring who you are. It is a neutral ground in the midst of crisis like the one we are experiencing. 
Where will the patient go if she has to close her doors as Doctors Without Borders did? In a release Monday, the hospital dismissed rumors that disgruntled staff are planning to stop working. The hospital management said it will continue saving lives despite the challenges. The military says its troops organized raids on separatist camps in Bui last week and killed at least seven fighters, including two self-proclaimed generals. The military said troops were searching for wounded fighters hiding in the community but did not comment on if government troops invaded the hospital. Nick Nguanyam is a member of the Cameroon Medical Council, an association of Cameroon medical doctors. Nguanyam says it is unfortunate that both government troops and rebels are invading hospitals which are out to save lives and reduce suffering. We are pushing those institutions to shut down because hospitals staff feel unsafe working under those conditions. And therefore, we are putting the lives of the communities in danger and peril. And we are doing ourselves a lot of harm. It doesn't matter what the reasons are, be it by the military or boys who are fighting. We are really hurting ourselves. We are shooting ourselves in the foot. And the government needs to take its responsibility and stop this war. The Banso Baptist Hospital says it receives several hundred patients each day. Most are victims of the separatist crisis in Cameroon's English-speaking Western regions. Cameroonian authorities have always accused eight groups of helping separatists in the country's English-speaking Western regions, a charge the hospital has strongly denied, saying its mission is only to save lives. In August 2021, the international aid group Doctors Without Borders, also known by its French acronym MSF, announced that it had withdrawn emergency health care services amid the separatist crisis. The military accused MSF of, among other charges, aiding separatist fighters in the medical aid group's hospitals. MSF denied the accusation and said, its only goal is to save lives, irrespective of whose life it is. Moki Edwin Kinzaka for VOA News, Yaoundé, Cameroon. In Burkina Faso, Islamic militants have attacked a 150-vehicle aid convoy, destroying dozens of trucks and potentially leaving many dead. News reports say the convoy was taking supplies to the town of Jibo in Sum. Fighting there between extremists and government forces has led, to, has, has led the government to deliver goods to trapped civilians by road convoy or by airdrops. An army statement did not provide any information on the number of dead or wounded, but there are reports that at least 12 people died in the attack, most of them soldiers. Insecurity in the country has displaced 2 million people and killed thousands over the past several years. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbil Yabaro, and studio engineer, Rob McLean, Thank you again for tuning in and for choosing the Voice of America.
Soul. This is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station Saturdays and